Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor May J.G. Gilbert Sr. Coming to you from one of our ministries here in Alpha Vista, Virginia, for our Sunday School Hour this morning. We do thank God for you joining us this morning. We thank God for an opportunity to come and study God's Word. We're excited about our lesson this morning. We're starting off on May 1st, uh, Lesson 9 in our Standard Commentary. This is the uh, international uh, lesson plan that we are using uh, all of your literature should uh, uh, meet uh, this lesson plan except for Union Gospel Press. Union Gospel Press has their own lesson plan, but UMI Standard Publishing, uh, uh, David C. Cook, uh, uh, Bigley, and all of the other uh, precepts and all of those other uh, standard commentaries meet our lesson plan. So if you have any of the other Sunday School literatures you can use except Union Gospel Press. Uh, this morning we're talking about freedom from sin. Freedom from sin coming out of Romans chapter 6 uh, uh, verses 1 through 14. Uh, today uh, as we look at our lesson, hopefully our key text this morning is if we have uh, been planted together in the likeness of his death, we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Uh, that's our golden text this morning. Uh, as we study this morning, we would like to be able to uh, look at the result of the dying with Christ and then compare and contrast that old self that we died from and this new self that we are being transformed into. Then make a plan uh, to be more effective uh, instrument for righteousness in our own personal lives. So a beautiful lesson this morning. Uh, we'll get into the study again. Uh, if you do not have a, a, a standard commentary or a, a universal a study plan, you can turn to Romans 6 chapter, verses 1 through 14. Study along with us. Uh, this morning as we read, our text says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin uh, that grace may abound? God forbid, verse 2, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Then verse 3, know ye not that many of us were as baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are baptized, uh, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And, and like uh, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also shall walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together uh, in the likeness of his death, we, uh, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, uh, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we shall not serve sin. Verse 7, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ be raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no dominion over him. Verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye shall obey the lust thereof. Verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. Our last verse, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Beautiful lesson this morning. Freedom from sin. As we get into our quarterly study, uh, we are looking at this morning, uh, God frees and redeems. And our unit is liberating letters. The letters that are coming to liberate us from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. In our introduction this morning, it says set free. President Abraham Lincoln uh, delivered the Emancipation Proclamation on January in 1863. And by this time, the Civil War uh, had raged for nearly two years. And according to the president's decree, all persons held as slaves are henceforth forward shall be free. All of these words without appropriate action, even the president, cannot create change. You can say that you want to change but you will not change unless you do something. The proclamation did not immediately end uh, slavery throughout the nation. The speech, however, did fan the flames of freedom for all of us that were in slavery. The Civil War ended in uh, 1865 and, and the Union victory, and the battle for freedom was long and bloody, but ultimately victorious. We still experience echoes of slavery, slavery, uh, though freedom of slaves was declared, a long process of becoming equal citizens under the law took many, many years and many struggles. The parallels is imperfect, but some similarities exist as we fight to end slavery in the United States and Jesus' sacrifice to end the slavery uh, that the world is experiencing because of the sin that they have in their lives. And then the lesson today, it focuses on not on the moment of victory, but instead the work that is still to do uh, after the aftermath of you being set free. So in our lesson today, our context is coming out of uh, the book of Romans, and this church was established uh, long before Paul had got there uh, and, and, and his stay in Corinth in about 18, excuse me, about eighty fifty eight in the midst of the, his third missionary journey. And the church in Rome uh, had been planted by someone else, unknown missionaries, possibly after this, uh, the, the great uh, dispersal, after the great day of Pentecost, when uh, persecution started happening in the early church, people scattered and they went and uh, they took their gospel wherever they went. So Paul's letter also sought uh, the Roman believers to support for a planned mission into Spain. So the nature of the church in Rome uh, was influenced by this edict issued by Emperor Claudius in uh, AD 49 that had forced Jews to leave the city because of disturbances between whether Jews and Gentiles were under the same requirements in becoming members of the church. Remember, the Jews wanted them to follow the law and, and do all of the ordinances that God had uh, had put on them. And then you remember Steve, uh, excuse me, uh, Paul and Timothy, 
uh, Paul and 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 uh, uh, Peter and James got into great discussion about whether or not they had to follow the sacraments that was established as Jews, which is uh, they had to uh, follow the the the, the Jew, Jew, uh, Jew, uh, Jew, the Jewish laws to uh, to. Uh, be circumcised and those other things. So they uh, had great disturbances in the church because of that. And because of that uh, disturbance, uh, Claudius expelled a bunch of the Jews that were in the church there in Rome away and, and made them uh, uh, commit to uh, not causing the trouble that was in the church. So we at that point now where Paul again is looking closely at the work of Christ to let them know that uh, following the Jewish law did not bring them in relationship with God. What brought them in relationship with God is what the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the work that we're looking at now in Romans 6. Paul turns to example this practical work of the effect of Jesus' work in our lives. It's more than just us uh, becoming a part of a, 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 a religious organization. It's, it's more than part of us becoming a member of a cult or a member of a, a, a religious denomination. Uh, to become members uh, of this body of Christ, it must have some impact upon our personal lives. So that's where Paul is trying to get us to understand in our lesson today that uh, the becoming uh, saved by grace through Jesus Christ, also it has to have a life-changing effect to make an impact on our lives. So he says, he asked the question in verse 1, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin though grace abound? So here's a, the, the grace was, was given unto the church through Jesus Christ. Once Christ died on the cross, he died uh, to pay for the price, penalty, and power of sin over our lives. And then once grace came to save us and freed us from the power and penalty of sin, Paul is asking the church, should we continue to live in sin, though we are under grace? And, 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 and those two questions, they were rhetorical questions, but instead of seeking an answer to the audience, Paul has, has primed the readers in order for to study and to ask that question of themselves. Should we continue in sin, though God's grace is over us through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. Could we uh, continue to live in sin, though we have been forgiven? Since forgiveness of sin is the sign of God's grace uh, that he has given unto us, since grace is a good thing, why not uh, just sin all the more because of the fact that we have been, the price of our sin has been paid for God didn't want us to get caught up into a mindset of saying that we are free to sin. No, uh, the freedom of sin does not give us the freedom to sin. The freedom from sin does not give us the power to have the freedom to sin. But he says here that we should continue in sin though grace abound. So Paul comes back in verse 2 and he answers his own rhetorical question. He said, no, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How can we be dead from sin, paid by the price of Jesus Christ on Calvary? 
How can we be dead to sin and still live in sin? So we are not to live in that sin because of the great price that Christ paid. So here Paul is using a technique known as a reduction to the absurd. In this method, an argument is boiled down to a level of supporting that even sometimes seem crazy. Anyone would argue the continuation of sin uh, is there a good thing because it results in all kinds of opportunities for God to forgive us has missed the whole point entirely. He says that, that the more I sin, the more it gives God an opportunity to forgive me. So Paul has said, if you are thinking that way, God forbid you because of the fact that once you become dead to sin, you have become free from the power of sin that has over your life. Then verse 3, he says that know ye not that many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Though we may have read this rhetorical question, Paul's audience had to never heard him preach because they were not familiar with his, his concept that he's been teaching and preaching, or being baptized into Jesus Christ's death. They had never heard that before. Baptism was a common practice in uh, Judaism. They were, they call it spiritual cleansing. They would go into a, a more like a baptismal pool and, and they'll have uh, some type of a, a, a ritual cleansing. They did that. But, but, but the symbolism is not lost in emerging Christians' understanding uh, of baptism, but it should deepen our understanding by tying the baptism of the faith in Jesus uh, to the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, once you're baptized, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then you will be able to be witnesses and to me, to Judea, and the other most parts of the world. So this Paul connected baptism uh, in a way of somehow having a personal identification to us believing in Jesus Christ. So baptism is us, tying us to Christ, but once we are baptized in him, we are also baptized into his death. We are simulating what happened when he went into the earth. He went into the earth, we went into the water under baptism, water covered us, the sins were covered, and we rose again in a new resurrection of life. See, notice that Paul appeared, appealed to baptism as a shared experience. The believer must not, uh, has not made a commitment to be carried out in a solitary way, but instead, solidarity with others uh, that are, we are one body in Christ. So we are baptized together as a body of believers. The body of Christ is made up of many of us that call him our Lord and Savior. Verse 4 says, Therefore, if we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like Christ, we, we are raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are also to walk in the newness of life. So here he's saying that if we are baptized with him, if we are baptized with him and buried with him in baptism into death, we are also raised in victory with him in the newness of life. Everything, you don't go down the same way you came up. When you don't go down the same way you came up, if you went down a sinner, you should come up resurrected into a new life. A lot of people say you went in 
a sinner. You came up with a sinner. But when we went into the earth, uh, symbolizing or baptism, we should be raised in the newness of life, not being affected by what happened before we went into the ground, before we went into baptism, before we were covered by the blood of Jesus. But as we were resurrected, we should be resurrected in the newness of life. Then we will be able to experience those things that Jesus did. He died. He was raised by uh, Jesus, by God the Father. In the same way, our death in Christ is not the end, but the means of us having a new life. When we die in Christ, it's not the end of life, but it's the beginning of us experiencing this new life. At this point of conversion, uh, uh, the believer's old life of sin ends. And then this new life in Christ begins. God's glory that has been given to Jesus now becomes part of our new life. We are raised in that, that glorious uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ now made available to you and I through our commitment that we made unto him. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Just as that person goes into the water of baptism, he is buried with Christ, so the seed is planted in the soil. In both cases, one expects new life to flourish. Our sharing of Christ Resurrection depends on our unity with him at his death. Christian baptism is in the likeness or the demonstration or the reenactment of the central facts of our gospel message that, 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 that the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Friday night, we said it's a reality. The cross is real. The reality of the cross is that we are died on the cross, we were buried in our sin, we was resurrected in the newness of life in Jesus Christ. So baptism provides us a wonderful opportunity in order for us to be like Christ. We've fallen in the likeness of Christ. He says, be a follower, follow me as I follow Christ. So what Paul told the church, follow me as I follow Christ. So that's how we come to this relationship that we would have this. We're dead to the sin that we had prior to our relationship that we gained with Christ. Once our relationship is in Christ, we are dead to sin. Sin should not be uh, in our mortal bodies controlling us anymore. We should be uh, under the same uh, uh, love and glory for God in Christ that Christ had for the Father. So we should be living in that same relationship. See, he said we are planted together in the likeness of his death. We should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And, and then uh, part two of our study today is being alive in Christ. Freedom from sin. Uh, in our text verse seven, six and seven says this morning, uh, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we shall not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. In the remaining of this chapter, uh, uh, and in Romans 7 and 8, uh, Paul is continuing to describe this ongoing battle that Christians are engaged in, a battle which we are 
uh, keenly aware of as long as we live in this world, uh, we're in this fleshly body that we have, uh, we'll be calling, uh, 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 it will be causing us to, to try to uh, uh, leave the, 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 the area in our life that Jesus mostly wants to impact. The flesh is in total disagreement. It's contrary to everything that God wants to accomplish in our lives. So as long as we're in this world, long as we're in this fleshly body, this body of ours is always in uh, 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 fighting against uh, the, the will of God in our lives. And here the apostle insists that we are no longer taking those orders from the flesh. But once we come into Christ, our orders are coming from another headquarters. Our orders are coming from God. He uses the term that the old man describes as an individual that is under sin's rule. But now we're under a new master. Uh, but with this new man, by joining with Christ, we are no longer serving sin. Uh, we are being controlled by another one that has a greater uh, importance and charge over our life. Uh, that 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 we are not freed from the temptation of sin, but we are freed from the power of sin that it has to control our lives. God also has given us his Holy Spirit, listen, to equip us from the battle that we are facing each and every day. The Spirit is stronger than the devil. Don't ever think that the devil has more power over you. But the Spirit of God is stronger than the devil. Sin will continue to entice us, but now we have something to meet the match of everything that the devil comes against us. That the Word of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit has more power than anything that the devil can throw at us. So here he's saying is that once that old man is put to death, he should not have power over our lives anymore. All right, then we get into verse 8. He says that if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. See, if we are dead with Christ, the only alternative is to live with him. If we're living with Christ, we are not dead. Uh, if we're dead, we're not living with Christ. It's one of those things that happen. But if we be dead with him, but we shall also what? live with him. And we began to enjoy this resurrection life following our, our baptism and, and our burial with Jesus Christ. And we still know more, uh, uh, but, but there is still more to come. We haven't yet experienced the full resurrection and, 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 and the full life that God has through us by, uh, by us growing each and every day. We, we are growing to the fullness of, of what God has in store for us if we continue in his word. The sure fact that Christ has already done for us by his death and resurrection provides all of the confidence we need to trust him that, uh, that our own resurrection of our own lives are only things. We, we talk about uh, vices and virtues, and each one of us have vices and have virtues. But the thing about it is, as we accept Jesus Christ, once uh, that Christ comes to God beginning to work in us, our verses will begin to override our, 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 our vices. Our virtues will override our vices. 
We will be able to put down those vices because of the fact that now we have the virtue of God in us through his son, Jesus Christ. Then verse 9 says what? Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no dominion over us. Although humans were raised from the dead many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, their new life was only temporary because what? They died again. Remember Lazarus was raised from the dead. He died, raised from the dead, but what? He died again. But Christ, however, was raised from the dead to die no more. Uh, the Christian faith is death, knowing that, uh, that, that, that we've beaten the enemy because Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead. And, and, and <clears throat> what is true of Jesus is true to us. If Christ can raise, if God can raise Christ from the dead, he can also raise us from the dead. And then once we are raised, death has no dominion over us anymore. What death and resurrection of Christ, sin and death, has been overturned, and now we got this new era that we're living in. Uh, Colossians 1 and 8 says that we got this newness of life. Then verse 10 says that, For in that he died, he died for sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Jesus' singular sacrifice for our sin uh, uh, took care of everything that sin needed. It never needed to be repeated. When Jesus' death uh, was unto sin. Well, but he, this doesn't mean that Christ ever sinned. He, he, his death was unto sin, but Christ never sinned. Instead, he submitted himself unto death so that he could become sin for you and I. He took the consequences for sin for you and I so that you and I would not have to pay that penalty. But now, he reigns on the right hand of the Father unto God. And now uh, he, he has laid aside his glory so that we can now live among him. We can be in the glory of God when, when we accept Jesus Christ uh, until we get that, that great getting up on him when we join him in glory. But right now we can live in that glory of God through his son Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says, likewise reckon. Ye all yourselves will be dead in, uh, indeed into sin, but live unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ, what he accomplished on Calvary, we are free from that slavery to sin and given the freedom to choose to be obedient unto God. This is the case. Even if we don't actually feel dead indeed unto sin because of our new identity in Christ, we can now live, be alive unto God, choosing his purposes over the form of sinful uh, preoccupations that we had uh, prior to allowing Christ to come into our heart. Uh, then we get into the freedom to serve God. Verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye obey in the lust thereof. Here, First half of Romans, Paul, uh, he, he personifies in uh, uh, three spiritual realities that we are, uh, uh, that as tyrants, uh, 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 spiritual realities as being tyrants. And each of this minion as it reigns over us, and this is described with the language derived from kings reigning over subjects or, or, or from masters ruling over their slaves. The first one is uh, the first of these three is death. Uh, uh, it's introduced as a reigning tyrant. The second one is sin, uh, especially reigning tyrant in verses 
uh, 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 before us in our text today. Then the third one is the law, spoken extensively in chapters uh, 2 and 3 in our lesson, but introduced fully having dominion. These three ex uh, ex uh, uh, oppose or oppress us in certain ways. Uh, we fear death, we suffer because of sin, and we are judged uh, inadequate because of the law. Paul urged his readers to allow this uh, uh, ominous uh, spiritual tyrant of sin uh, to exercise any of authority in our lives. He said, don't allow sin to be the authority in your life. Although we are dead to sin, we will continue to struggle against it. And here Paul is saying, that, that, that Paul was not talking about some abstract sin from some intellect, but real world acts that involve our bodies and, and, and such sins that come from yielding our lust thereof. An underlying Greek uh, reflects language Paul used in our text this morning. He calls those a sexual sins when you allow your body to, to submit to the lust thereof. Living under Christ's rule, however, We've been given a path to flee from and to escape the clutches that these temptations and sin have over our lives. Resisting sin is not passive. It requires every effort. We have been set free from sin, but we must also choose to abandon those sinful thoughts and behaviors we have that take us away from living uh, in the, the will of God. Through his son Jesus Christ. Verse 13. He says never yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God. As those that you are alive from dead. And your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. See this command here builds us uh, this previous verse. It emphasizes uh, that no part of our bodies should remain members of unrighteousness. Our bodies are no longer Satan's possessions. We were bought with a price. He said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Christ died for our sins, so he paid the price. So we will not be living in the, un, under the charge of that, that, that temptation that Satan will put into our lives. So here he's telling us that we are alive again to be instruments of righteousness, not unrighteousness unto God. Verse 14 says that, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, Paul returns to his language of sin is that tyrant, insisting again that it cannot be our master. The reason for this is found in controlling rule by which we live. If we allow sin uh, to dominate us, then we position ourselves uh, 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 to be subject to the law. The law will always condemn us. But, but if we allow grace to be our, our price that was paid for our, our freedom, that then we don't have to worry about that. Anyone who attempts to be righteous by, by, by rule keeping of the law will always fail. The, the law does not save us. But it points the sin that we have in our own personal lives. So obeying the law to the best of our ability is an exercise of wisdom and will. But it does not provide the answer for mastering sin in our lives. Uh, if we allow sin to reign over us, we are putting ourselves right back 
into slavery again. Despite the freedom given to us through Christ, if we continue to sin, we are right back into slavery again. We are ruled by grace. That's what Paul is telling us. We are ruled by grace. It's not about the law. It's not about the set of rules that we should keep, but it's about which master do we serve. Apart from grace, we cannot overcome the sinful desires that we have in our life. By grace, death has been destroyed. Sin has been broken. And the law has been fulfilled. Everything that we need to become perfect obedience unto Christ is fulfilled through his grace. Even when we uh, avoid sinful behavior, we are mastered by sin if we are doing this in an attempt to earn favor with God. You know, don't don't try to do things that, to, to 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 earn favor with God. You 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 do it to to appreciate what He did for you on Calvary. Our motivation should be to not to 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 do right is to serve God, and and then righteous behavior will follow that. Don't try to get right to serve God. Serve God, then God will get you right. He will straighten your life up. Your behavior will follow your commitment that you made to God. So our motivation is to serve God. Then this righteous behavior that God is expecting from us will follow as he become the ruler of our life. Good lesson this morning. God bless you. Our conclusion this morning, the question is, who will you serve? Who will you serve this morning when Jesus resurrection uh, we see that both the new era of resurrection life and the old era of sin and brokenness exist side by side until Christ come. It ain't going to change. This time, uh, both of fulfillment of promises and expectation of the future, perfection can be called already, but not yet. We, we're ready to go, but not yet. We're ready to enter into the fullness of God, but not yet. Because while we're still here, we're still struggling with the difficulties that sin offers us. So this is our spiritual resurrection and our new life in Christ. The fullness of the new life will come with the final resurrection of this physical body that we have, this physical death. For, we are, for the believer, the new life is both present and in the future. It already has happened because we accepted Jesus Christ, but it's not happened yet because the final consummation of Christ's return has not happened yet. Our baptism has united us with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And with this death, we are set free from the power, slavery, and penalty of sin in our lives. And with his resurrection, we are given a new life. However, we must also uh, make the choice of how we will live in this new freedom that he's given us. We may continue to live in disobedience, becoming slaves to sin all over again, or we may choose to live in righteousness, enjoying this new life that we have in Christ and that he has purchased with his own death on the cross. Out of this knowledge, out of this gratitude, out of this grace that we should have for God, that he had for us, that he died for us, let us serve him in righteousness. And let us give him our best life. Let us give him what we can have to be able to be a greater reward in this life, in the life hereafter. It's the best life now that we can have in Christ. 
but it is also the best life that we'll have in the hereafter and forever, is to be able to submit our lives to Christ. And once he do that, he frees us so that we can be able to be an instrument used for his glory. God bless you and to be able to be a glory for somebody else. This evening, this morning, excuse me, our prayer is, Father, we thank you for your grace made clear to us through your darling son, Jesus Christ. May we be encouraged and strengthened to live for you each day of our lives. May we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus and by whose blood we have been made and set free. Amen. So our thought for today is let us live free from sin in the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank God for you joining us this morning. Uh, this Sunday school hour, we've been set free from sin. We've been made whole through the blood, the sacrifice, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are free from sin. So let us now live in that freedom that God offers us. We do thank God for you then joining us. We ask that you continue to uh, support uh, your local church, support your ministries, uh, go out to and have a good fellowship with someone, some church today whereby you can uh, share in the love of Christ with someone else. And he said, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. So we thank God for you joining us here at our uh, online ministry, but uh, we need to have a full fellowship one with another. So we thank God for you being here, and we thank God for you joining us this morning at our Sunday school hour. But we ask you to join us again on next week. Continue to pray for our ministry here at Only Wall Ministries. Pray for pastors and ministers everywhere. So we ask that you continue to pray and ask God that he might strengthen you, build you up to be that person that will be able to impact the lives of someone else. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. And we love you. And we love what God has called us to do. This work, to teach his word. Be blessed. We'll see you on next uh, Friday evening. Uh, we're getting into the history, uh, uh, the, the, the history of, of, of the cross. We're going to study that on Friday evening. We talked about the reality of the cross, but the history of the cross. We're going to study that on Friday, and we'll see you again on next Sunday. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. Be blessed.